All right. Well, let's let's begin with a few announcements uh, this morning. Uh, the first one is uh, evening assembly will be here at uh, 6 p.m., but it will be on your video screen as uh, we're continuing to uh, have this unfortunate social distancing where we're not having public assemblies. And uh, in, in recognition that, of course, in Wauseon, they had a, a severe outbreak of COVID uh, a week and a half ago, which precipitated in uh, Mike's sickness. And so I think it's important that we remain true to uh, not assembling uh, this Sunday. Uh, we're not going to be assembling together at the building next Sunday. I have asked uh, Kirk Parks to cover my uh, preaching, and uh, I'm going to ask my sons to, to cover the prayer and the, the Lord's Supper next week in my absence. I'm going to fly back and, and be there for uh, the Harbor family and the saints there in Wauseon and in Lima. Um, and also to obviously to go to the memorial service. So next week we will be online once again at 10:45, and uh, Kirk Parks will be bringing the lesson, and my sons will be bringing Lord's Supper and prayer meditation. And so uh, something else uh, uh, on on let's see, it says the first Lord's Day back in the building will be Sunday morning, April 25th. We will have Bible class that day. And so it'll be 9.30 in the morning that we'll meet, we'll sing, and then we'll go to our Bible classes. And then, of course, morning assembly is at 10.45. And uh, also on that week, on April 25th, we will also have evening assembly at the church building, just so you can make sure you have that on your calendars. Uh, I didn't notice that there were any birthdays. Uh, do you know if there's any birthdays, honey? If there are, we will sing to you uh, here momentarily. Um, also, too, I just want to share that it's important for us to, to pray, uh, as I have asked, for uh, the Harbor family. It's so thankful that we know uh, that Mike is, is uh, with the Lord and with so many of those who've gone on before us, as was shared. So it's just so important that you would be in prayer for Mary Jo, uh, his wife, and of course, uh, Marshall and uh, Michael Lee. So sure to appreciate all that are here this morning and are willing to pray with me and then to study the Word of God together. So are there any birthdays? Not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. So if somebody wants to just shoot a little message in there uh, in regards to a birthday that they know coming up this week, uh, I will uh, pause and we will sing to them. Okay. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Colossians in chapter 1. And uh, hopefully you have your, your lesson plans in front of you. Uh, today's lesson, very excited about uh, the passages of Scripture. Uh, both have been Scripture memory passages in the past and uh, so inspirational in regards to the power of hope. And so in the book of Colossians in chapter 1, uh, this is my most recent uh, uh, memory passage. And uh, I am not going to quote it because I don't know if you've ever done this before, but you tried to quote a, a memory passage publicly, and of course, you have it verbatim nailed, and of course, when you stand in front of other people, you blow it. So, we're going to read this together this morning. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. 
For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to a first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness, literally all the fullness of deity, to dwell in him. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Very powerful passage there this morning that corresponds with my point uh, number two, recognizing his greatness and our great need will empower us to persevere. And then the second passage of scripture, which will uh, be addressed in my third point, is from the book of Romans in chapter 8. If you'll turn to Romans chapter 8 with me this morning, that would be great. And uh, again, just a phenomenal passage of encouragement uh, for those who are going through difficult times. And so in the book of Romans in chapter 8, we're going to kind of enter right into the middle of that chapter. And I would encourage you that you would read on uh, after assembly, of course. Read on in, in Romans in chapter 8, the amazing power that God has given to us through the hope that we have in his son, Jesus Christ. So here we go. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, uh, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, for we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. Well, the title of the lesson, as you can see this morning, is The Power to Persevere from Hope Unseen. But you know, we've actually seen in the last several lessons the power of God to fulfill his promise. 
Throughout the book of Psalms, God promised that his son would be raised from the dead. He did not promise that he would have a life that was without pain and suffering. He promised that he would be that one who would reconcile the world through his sufferings and through his sacrifice. And that promise was fulfilled. And we're the blessed recipients of that promise. And so we can have great courage that even though we may, as Jesus Christ, go through great sufferings in this life, we too, if we remain faithful as Christ did, will make it to heaven. And so the three cornerstone pillars for our perseverance in this life is number one, faith, the faith of Christ, faithfully living for God according to his word. Number two, placing our hope, our trust in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and his provision and his promise. And number three, and we're going to be preaching this here in the near future when I get back from Ohio, we're going to talk about the greatest of these motivators for perseverance is love, the love of God and the love for God. And so we're really building this foundation for our ability to persevere in the future. And then when we get done looking at this foundation, we're going to look at many of the passages of Scripture where great men and women of God persevered uh, against all odds and they fulfilled their purpose uh, in this life that God had granted to them. And so this is a very exciting year, a very exciting topic, and uh, I'm very excited about this particular lesson this morning. I hope you're greatly encouraged by it. So let's begin with point number one. The power to persevere comes from hope. Of course, from faith and love as well, but this morning, the power to persevere comes from hope. God's provision and promise drives us to persevere in the difficult times. So we must understand the relationship between hope in God and our power to persevere. Now, I've, I've meditated on this for a long time, and I have a succinct statement with two specific parts. Look at the two little check marks there. The first one is a statement that describes what hope is. And the second statement describes what hope does for us. So let's take a look at the first statement. And I'll, I'll read the first statement a couple times because it describes what true biblical hope is, particularly the hope that we see in these two passages of Scripture. So hope is the confident expectation. The confident expectation. The confident expectation filled with anticipation, excitement, and pleasure. The confident expectation filled with anticipation, excitement, and pleasure. Literally, hope is not, I hope so, kind of cowering in doubt, but rather, I know so. Great confidence filled with, with anticipation, excitement, and pleasure of a promise soon to be fulfilled. I love that part. See, the promise is absolutely sure. And so we can know for certain. And so the first statement, hope is the confident expectation filled with anticipation, excitement, and pleasure um, of a promise soon to be fulfilled. And of course, God cannot break a promise and God cannot lie. 
So we have absolute confidence and excitement about what is to come for those who will remain faithful. Now, the second statement there is this. This hope, the hope that we just defined, this hope powers our perseverance. This hope literally will power our perseverance, knowing what we're going to get in the future. So this hope powers our perseverance with a cheerful fortitude. And this is literally from the Greek, a cheerful fortitude in bearing and pushing through trials. A cheerful fortitude. I love that. When I saw that in the definition, I go, whoa, a cheerful fortitude. Not a woe is me. I am going to dig my heels in and just get through it as much as I hate it. That's not, that's not what true hope is because that true hope is going to pr- uh, produce a, a powerful, um, a cheerful fortitude in bearing and pushing through trials. This hope powers our perseverance with a cheerful fortitude in bearing and pushing through trials. And as you do your own study, and I want to encourage you to do your own study on hope and perseverance. And this particular, uh, uh, these two particular passages of, of hope really do manifest that very idea. So let's take a look at point number two. Let's go back to the book of Colossians in chapter one, because that's where point number two is taken from. And uh, you'll notice at the very end it says that this this wonderful, amazing blessing of, from God is for those who will persevere because of the hope of the gospel that they have received. And so let's take a look here. Uh, point number two, recognizing his greatness and our great need. And I have little bullet points there for each of the verses. Look at verse 13 and 14. For he, God the Father, rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And notice the first bullet point. Recognize his great provision. What has he provided for you? He has rescued you from the clutches of Satan. He's rescued us from the domain of darkness. He's he's placed us into the kingdom of his beloved son. It says the kingdom of light. And so we've been rescued out of the darkness and hopelessness, and we have been placed into the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of light. But also notice what it says here in verse 14. In whom, in Christ, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He forgave us and he redeemed us. You've heard of the word ransom before, I'm sure. And so to redeem is to buy back. And so we were literally rescued or bought back from the devil who stole us from God. And so he brought us back, of course, through his great sacrifice. Look at verse 15 through 18 now. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, by Jesus, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. All things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. He is before all things, and in him, in Christ, all things hold together. He, Jesus Christ, is also the head of the body, the church. 
And he, Jesus Christ, is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he, Christ himself, will come to our first place in everything. Well, notice that second bullet point then, brethren. It says, recognizing his great power. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He created all things, and through him, all things hold together. I love the passage of Scripture. It says that those who God has given me shall not be taken from me. He has the power to save, the power to give us the strength of character, the conviction to follow through. He is our all in all. That's why our trust and our faith should only be in Jesus Christ. Our faith is in Christ, our hope is in Christ, and our love is for Christ. All those things will empower us in the most terrible of times in the future. But we must build these foundations in our lives so that we are able to stand. Now look at uh, uh, verses 19 and 20 in the book of, of um, Colossians. Uh, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness of deity to dwell in Christ. And through him, through Christ, to reconcile all things to himself, having uh, made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. You know, God's great plan to save us, God's great plan to redeem us, required a sacrifice. And Jesus was more than willing to go to that cross. You know that he consistently spoke to his apostles that I am going to be handed over to godless men. I'm going to be crucified and buried. But on the third day, I'll be raised up. And he said, unless I go away and pre prepare a place for you, then you can come. Well, Jesus has prepared a place. He has prepared a kingdom. And we are in that kingdom right now. What a beautiful plan. How many of us can say, I am worthy of heaven because of my great righteousness? Not one person. There's not one soul that will get into heaven because of his own righteousness. We must receive from God the forgiveness and the redemption and the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And so his great plan is what allows us then to have hope. Hope that we would not have if we were, uh, our salvation was based upon our own good works. You know, many of you know in the audience as well as those here in my home that those religions who rely upon good works, and I came out of one of those religions, well, Christian, quote-unquote, Christian-dumb, where you had to do so many good works. I never knew if I was good enough. I never knew. Our salvation is based upon Christ's righteousness and his sacrifice, not based upon you and I and what we do. Yes, we must have faith, and yes, faith produces good works, good works that were prepared beforehand for us to walk therein, Ephesians 2.10. But we're saved, we're redeemed, we're secured because of Christ's perfect righteousness and his redemptive uh, propitiatory sacrifice. Well, if you'll turn your, your lesson plan page to the next uh, uh, verse, verse 21, it says, recognizing our great need. Notice what it says in verse 21. If you're honest, 
And if you're not honest, you're not a Christian. But if you're honest, this applies to you. Look at verse 21. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. You know, if, if you're honest, you'll, you'll say, you know what? I was a mess before I became a Christian. And, and I was hopeless, and I had no real purpose or no real meaning. I just went from experience to experience to bad decision to bad decision until I met Jesus Christ. And then he straightened me out as I lived for him and not for myself. And so you should recognize the great need that you still have. You know, I know that I am in the kingdom. I know that my salvation is secure in Christ, but... If I am a faithful bride, the bride of Christ, I am going to strive to continue to grow in my faithfulness in serving him. And so honestly, my faith and my hope should drive me to grow and to become strong, immovable, steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that my work and service and toil in the Lord is not in vain, that I will receive a reward. And so, but we must recognize first that we have such a desperate need. Otherwise, we become prideful. So it's important that we understand that we have a great need and the need is for his great provision, his great power, his great plan. And look at verse 22, his great promise. His great promise. Look at verse 22 here. It says, he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him in order to present you before God the Father, holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. The promise is, is that we will be completely, fully, totally sanctified, body, soul, and spirit at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back and look at 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5, right near the end. It's a beautiful passage of scripture. He has promised and he will deliver. But notice it says that we will stand before God, his promise, holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. But notice the next word, the next word and the next bullet point. If, if, notice his, his great provision, his great power, his great plan, his great promise are for those who, if they, will persevere because of the hope of the gospel. They'll receive what was promised. Now we'll take a look at that next verse then. Verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, the faith of Christ, firmly established and steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. I want to read another passage that, that corresponds or is closely related to this passage where the Apostle Paul speaks about the gospel of our salvation to the Christians in the city of Corinth. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians and chapter 15. We're going to come back to Colossians though. 1 Corinthians and chapter 15. And I want to be read verse uh, 1, uh, 2, and 3. Just a tremendous passage of scripture there in regards to uh, the gospel plan of salvation. So turn there, 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, verses 1, 2, and 3. Whatever you, whenever you see the word which, W-H-I-C-H, 
It's referring back to the gospel. And so I'm going to read it that way. Okay? So here we go. Chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1, 2, and 3. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, the gospel which also you received, the gospel which, uh, in which also you stand, the gospel by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word, the gospel, which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. Brethren, it is so important to recognize that God's provision and God's power and God's plan and, and God's um, promise are all granted to those who will remain faithful and will persevere. And so we know that he fulfills his promise. That should motivate us to build our faith, to grow our hope, to develop the love of Christ in us so that we'll persevere no matter what in the future. What a beautiful passage of scripture we see here then, recognizing his greatness and provision for us, for he is our Alpha and Omega and everything in between, and his promises are sure. We are the ones that must then remain faithful. So let's build our faith. Let's build our hope. Let's grow our love for God and others. Now look at the last point. Going back to the book of Romans in chapter 8. So turn with me to the book of Romans in chapter 8 this morning. Another great passage that speaks about the critical nature of hope and helping us to powerfully persevere. And by the way, these are, these are two of, of many passages that preach the same concept. That our hope, our confident expectation that's filled with, with expectancy and, and excitement and, and cheerful forbearance is going to grant us the promise that he made. Heaven with him for eternity. Hey, and we're going to get to be with Mike Harbour again. But I got some jokes, but only he can tell them. And so we got to get to heaven so we can hear those jokes once again. Okay, as only Mike Harbour can tell. And so Romans and chapter 8, beginning in verse 18. Let's read 18 down through verse 25. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Look at that first bullet point there. In hope we eagerly await his return. And notice what it says there. We consider the, uh, the present time with, now this is very important that you add to your notes, we recognize or we consider the present time, but we also compare it with the promises that he has given to us. You know, the present time oftentimes is filled with great trial and difficulty. I don't think I'm the only one that could say amen to that one. I mean, challenges have abounded and I think they're going to grow. But notice, we should not focus on the present time. It's only temporary. But the promise that he has given to us is eternal. So what does that verse verse say? For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. How important that is then for us to recognize that this is only a temporary suffering, short-lived. 
You're saying, well, I don't know. I don't know. It could be years of suffering. Well, compare that to eternal glory with Jesus Christ and all those who've gone on before us. It is a nothingness. It's not even the size of a pinhead prick. Eternity. And you're going to give up eternity because the sufferings are intolerable on this life. I'm just going to give up the faith and go with the flow. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, the flow goes downhill into the lake of fire. You don't want to get on that track. You want to remain faithful. So when you start making the comparisons of, man, this is tough, this is hard, this is awful, it's painful, I can't stand it, well, just think of glory forever. Because if you think the horrors and the sufferings are bad in this physical life, if you give up, it's eternity outside of the presence of God in the lake of fire. Don't give up, brethren. Don't give up. Your salvation is secured in Christ Jesus already. And so it's so important. Uh, we consider the present sufferings with and compare them to the eternal glory that we are to be given. Turn with me to the book of First Corinthians, or excuse me, Second uh, Corinthians. There's a great passage of scripture there about our mindset. Really, our perspective is so important. Chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Listen how the Apostle Paul again speaks about this temporary suffering, the temporary challenges in this life compared to what we are to receive. Notice verse 16, therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which, which are unseen or not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The promise that God has made to us is eternal. I love the passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians in chapter 2 where it says, Eyes have not seen nor mind has comprehended all the amazing blessings that God has given to those who love him and eagerly await his return. I mean, I don't know about you, but this hope is a critical piece of our ability to persevere. So we must firmly understand the promises that he's made, fully understand the provisions that he has made and the power that he has given and the plan that is so beautifully being executed here in this world through his church, having been established by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Now, look at that second point there, verses 20 and 21 in the book of Romans. So go back to Romans chapter 8, verse 20 and 21. We need to recognize and understand that in this life, there's going to be suffering. We're going to spend a lot of time in the book of 1 Peter. And when we spend time in 1 Peter, I hope that you'll show up because the Apostle Peter speaks about how in this life we will suffer if we stand up for what is right. But not to fear, but rather to glory in that and rejoice in that truth that we've been uh, considered worthy to suffer for his name's sake as a Christian. And so I, I'm excited about moving into that part of this year's perseverance, the power of perseverance. But notice what it says here. 
uh, in this passage of scripture. Verse uh, uh, 20 and 21. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery uh, to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Uh, brethren, so exciting that we have been set free from the bondage of sin and the fear of death. We have been set free. Go back to the book of Hebrews in chapter 2. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross, to set us free from the devil's dominion over us. He broke the domain of darkness. He shattered it in our lives, and he has taken us into the kingdom of his beloved son. We read that already. And so, brethren, we need to recognize that there will be suffering in this life, many different kinds of suffering, but we also need to recognize and understand this is only temporary. A look at verse 22 and 23 in this same passage of Scripture. He says, uh, um, for we know, do you? Do we know? I hope so. Notice it says, for we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves have the first fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit by his indwelling presence. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. You know, God gave us his Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 says, God gave us the Spirit after hearing the gospel message, having received the gospel message in obedience. When we were immersed into Christ, our sins were washed away, and we were raised up to walk in newness of life. It's a powerful statement there in Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14. We have the earnest, the down payment, the first fruits of the Spirit. How powerful that is. But notice it says, we wait eagerly, waiting eagerly for adoption as sons. You know what? When you sign adoption papers, let's say, for example, you wanted to adopt a, a little Belarusian a child. And uh, boy, I've wanted to adopt a lot of them. And uh, I came very, very close the first time I went over in adopting a little boy and a little girl. And uh, I mean, really close. I was already in hot water with my wife because I hadn't told her I was going to Belarus until uh, after I'd made the commitment to go. I love you, honey. And now Sharon loves that I go now, by the way. But there's a little boy and a little girl that her mother begged me to adopt them and bring them to the United States where they had no hope. Now, if I would have done those adoption papers and paid the money, they would have been my children, but I would have had to go back and pick them up and bring them home. That's a beautiful illustration of what's gone on here. God has paid the full price for your soul. And he's coming back for you. And he's given you the down payment of the Holy Spirit. He is not going to forget or forsake. He is coming back for you. He's coming back for me. And so it's exciting. So we can eagerly await. We know that our Father... Our big brother are coming back for us. So we don't have to despair like the world. 
as the world is despairing and growing in despair as we see all around us. But we are eagerly, look at that word, we're excited about what's to come. Our hope is secure. And that empowers us. So when things go sideways in our mind, we continue to move forward into heaven because that's where our salvation is. That's where our citizenship is. We are citizens of heaven and we are in the eternal kingdom of God. And as our brother Mike has gone on before us, so we will follow all those who are faithful and endure until the end. And so uh, this verse 22 and 23 are amazing his presence through the Holy Spirit and his promise to come back for us, to bring us home as his adopted children. I know that I'm adopted. I know that I'm his. And he's coming back for me. And I can't wait. I will, but I can't wait. Now look at verse 24 and 25. Look at verse 24 and 25. For in hope we have been saved. If our hope is steadfast and sure, one that enters within the veil, Hebrews in chapter 6, let me encourage you to go back and look at that. We've looked at it before. But in Hebrews 6 it says, we are, our salvation is secure within the veil. Meaning, we are in Christ and Christ is in us. He's our lifeline to heaven. And so notice, for in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he already sees? Well, I can't wait to see, as I walk into heaven, see all those who've gone on before me, and of course, my Lord, Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thought. Have you ever thought about, as the saints march into heaven, you see there's going to be this big, long line there on the side of the sheep, the right side of the throne, and we're marching in. You see, and all the angels are looking at the glory of those who've, who've uh, been steadfast. I get that picture in my mind. It's a great picture, see? And then, of course, those who are cowards, those who are liars, those who are abominable and unbelieving, they're going to be cowering and crying and sniveling because they've come before the Lamb of the world who was willing and did take away their sins, but they rejected his sacrifice. Uh, brethren, I don't know about you, but the presence of God in me now and the anticipation of my presence with him and for all my brothers and sisters who have gone on before me, man, that just drives me, drives me, drives me, and it should drive you as well. But let's finish up now with this last verse, verse 25. But if we hope for what we do not see, if we hope for what we know for certain will come because God has proved it over and over and over again to be faithful to his promise. He's never failed us. But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. And brethren, three times the word eagerly is used. Look at the word eagerly in verse 19. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly. And then again in verse, uh, um, what is it, 23, speaking about Christians, those who have received the Holy Spirit, uh, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body blameless, perfect, complete on the last day when he comes. And finally, because of this hope that is sure, we eagerly wait for the return of our Savior, Jesus Christ.
who is King of kings and Lord of lords. He's coming back. And so, brethren, I don't know what the future holds, and we really don't. No one really knows what the future holds. I mean, the scripture teaches that the, the, the camp of the saints will be surrounded by the armies of the world, and by Satan's design, but God will come and rescue his church. He's going to slay all those who've gone up against the church of the living God. You know, many of us may be martyred. We don't know. We don't know what the future holds. But we do know that if we remain faithful and we persevere, as we're going to continue to learn this year, that we will be those who will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. I long to hear those words. And so I'm thankful for the brothers and sisters that I have that constantly encourage me. And I pray that I would be constantly encouraging you as well. Remain faithful. Stay the course, brethren. Stay the course. So let's remember, God, when he promises, cannot break a promise. God, when he makes a statement, cannot lie. And he promises he's coming back. And so stand firm, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Our reward is soon to come. Let's pray. Father, I'm so deeply thankful for these two great passages of Scripture. And uh, Father, there are so many more about hope and the power of hope uh, to, to strengthen us and to keep our focus on things above, uh, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And for, for when he is revealed, uh, uh, who is our life? Uh, we will be revealed with him in glory. I love that passage in Colossians 3, verses uh, 1 and 2. Uh, Father, I pray that we would uh, keep our minds set on things above, focusing upon uh, the great and glorious provision, the great and glorious power and plan and promise that you have made and you have granted, Father. And I pray that we would be faithful, uh, persevering until the end. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for showing up. Thank you for being here, my dear family. <laughs> and uh, so uh, we will see you, Lord willing, tonight at six o'clock as we continue to work through First Timothy. So have a great Lord's Day afternoon and, and hope to see you again. And then remember, you'll see Kirk and uh, my two sons next week right here uh, at 1045. Thank you so much and have a wonderful week. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.